Hello, and welcome to the Harvest Podcast, brought to you by The Field in Charlotte, North Carolina, where we put love into action. We hope that you are blessed by these previous sermons by our pastor, Reverend Dr. Peter M. Weary. Please be sure to subscribe and leave a comment on whichever podcast platform you use. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook and YouTube at Mayfield Memorial Missionary Baptist Church, as well as Instagram at The Field CLT. Be blessed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus, you're everything to me. Everything. Too many people supplement, replace Jesus with trinkets and stuff, with swag. But how many know Jesus is everything? I know he's everything to me. Thank you, thank you, thank you for that reminder of who Jesus is. Everything. Everything to me. Hallelujah, hallelujah. What a wonderful way to be ushered into the Word. From the Gospel according to Luke, the 17th chapter, beginning with the 5th verse, reading all the way down through verse 10. The Good News Translation, Luke 17, beginning with verse 5, going down through verse 10. Hear these words. The apostles said to the Lord, make our faith greater. The Lord answered, if you had faith as big as a mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, pull yourself up by the roots and plant yourself in the sea and it would obey you. Suppose one of you has a servant who is plowing or looking after the sheep. When he comes in from the field, do you tell him to hurry and eat his meal? Of course not. Instead, you say to him, get my supper ready, then put on your apron and wait on me while I eat and drink. After that, you may have your meal. The servant does not deserve thanks for obeying orders, does he? It is the same with you. When you have done all you have been told to do, say, we are ordinary servants. We have only done our duty. Verse 6, if you had faith as big as a mustard seed, You could say to this mulberry tree, pull yourself up by the roots and plant yourself in the sea and it would obey you. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me this morning, this week after MLK week, finding faith when you're in a hurry. Let's pray. Consecrate me now to thy service, Lord, by the power of grace divine. 
Let my soul look up with a steadfast hope. Let my will be lost in thine. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. These few verses from the Gospel according to Luke are really part of a larger section that begins at verse 1. The verses from 1 to 10 are usually four unrelated sayings of Jesus that Luke has woven together into one almost seamless unit. First, verse, verses 1 and 2 Outline the danger of leaders doing stuff that causes believers to stumble into sin. He explains that the penalty for doing such things is worse than sudden death. Second, verses 3 and 4 detail the necessity of balancing judgment with grace by forgiving folk who hurt us. Jesus says that the requirement for forgiving is absolute. Because if the person who hurts us represent, repents, then we are supposed to forgive him. Even if he repeats the offense, listen to this, seven times a day, we must forgive. Jesus suggests that because we are frequently in need of forgiveness ourselves, We've got to also be aggressive to forgive. Third, in verses 5 and 6, the disciples are sobered by these heavy requirements, don't think they can get them done, so they ask Jesus to increase their faith so they can live up to these requirements. Jesus doesn't dispense faith right on the spot, but instead, he tells them about the power of faith, even just a little faith. Finally, in verses 7 through 10, Jesus explains that in the high calling of ministry in the kingdom, expectations are high. How many know in the kingdom, just enough is never enough? Yeah, the, the heady, weighty stuff is sobering and and jarring for a church and a culture which has become accustomed not only to ease and comfort, but we've gotten used to having it with convenient quickness. We are the society which gave the world the assembly line, fast food, and, 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 and microwave cooking. Jesus makes it clear in verses 5 and 6, that when it comes to faith, all our ingenuity will do us no good. I don't know about you, but I struggle every day to live up to the hard requirements of living as a man of faith in a world full of cynics. I work at it every single day. All of us who are serious about living by faith wrestle with the reality that sometimes what we need to be successful and sometimes what we need to be safe are hard to come by. We get impatient because we are afraid or maybe because we get tired of always needing. So our faith becomes our weakness instead of our strength. 
Faith is probably the thing we ask God for more than anything else. When we get a look at what God requires and what we consider what life demands, it makes sense for us to ask like the disciples did, Lord, I struggle with this faith thing. Make our faith greater. Mother Teresa once said this. She said, prayer is not asking. Prayer is putting oneself in the hands of God at his disposition and listening to his voice in the depths of our hearts. We could talk a whole year about that one teaching. We would understand better what Jesus means when he says ask and it will be given. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be opened. Mother Teresa said it ain't about the asking. It's about putting yourself in God's hands. Dr. Gardner C. Taylor talking to we young preachers who often frantically shake the coattails of God looking for a message. Dr. Taylor instructed us that there is one indispensable element for God to give us a word. He called it quiet waiting before God. I want to challenge everybody who's looking for something from God. I want to challenge all the singers. I want to challenge all the musicians. I want to challenge everybody that, that there is no substitute for quiet waiting before God. He called it he called it that because the moment inevitably comes when the impatient desires of we humans meet the still, silent, time-immune wisdom of God who may not come when you want him, but he's always, what did Aunt Jane say, right on time. To deal with this, we need faith, family. We need to be able to put ourselves in the hands of God and listen for God's voice in the depths of our hearts. But this is hard to do when we can't see God's hands the way we can see our own hands. This, this is hard to do, family, because we're already at the disposition of creditors and supervisors, boards and civil authorities, portfolio managers and families and friends and structures. This is hard to do when our hearts are so full of so many messages from so many messengers. Most of the messages in our hearts tell us that we don't have time to wait. We need what we need and we need it right now. Tomorrow will be too late. If we could send God an email, it would be an instant message to the effect, God, I need faith and I need it in a hurry because I'm in a hurry. Ain't that the truth? But unfortunately, faith doesn't come like that, y'all. Jesus shows us by his response to the disciples here, uh, somewhat overwhelmed their request is in verse 5 when they say make our faith greater Jesus responds in a very curious way what's curious is that Jesus doesn't actually grant the disciples request he just describes what great faith is 
That's the way faith operates. Faith is not a commodity. Faith is a revelation. Faith ain't some doctrine. Faith is a disposition. Faith sneaks up on you, family, and overtakes you like the transition from summer to fall. No matter what the calendar says, it's hard to determine with certainty just when the cool edge of fall infiltrates the soft, warm breeze of summer. That's what it's like with faith. Faith moves in so gradually that you almost don't notice that it's there. A lot of times, faith goes unnoticed until you look back and see the outcome of a thing. Faith leaves its mark because faith is ours to ask for and God's to give. We, we being who we are and God being who God is, it's no wonder a lot of times we overlook the powerful presence and potential of faith. Today's message comes to encourage everybody who's struggling with both the rigors of a hectic and demanding life and the need to live by faith. This word is for everybody who needs God to move and who's become frustrated in waiting on him. If you don't want to admit it, why don't you just admit that you need God to move? If you don't want to do it, I'll do it myself. I need God to move. This message is for everybody who's up against life's deadlines and you, you need a miracle and you need a day before yesterday, a week from Sunday. You can find faith, family, even when you're in a hurry. So how can you do it? How can you find faith when you're in a hurry, when you're frantic, when your back is against the wall, when your need is acute and your time is short? How can you find faith when you're in a hurry? The text reveals this first piece of wisdom. The text suggests if you want to find faith when you're in a hurry, be willing to start small. Listen to verse 5 and leading into verse 6. The apostle said to the Lord, make our faith greater. The Lord answered, if you had faith as big as a mustard seed. If you had faith. As big as a mustard seed. I tell you, when I was reading back over and digging into this text, I was intrigued by something that a scholar named Joel Green had to say about it. He, he noted that in Luke's gospel before chapter 17, Jesus had mentioned faith only five times. He then said that Joel Green did, quote, in each case, faith leads to faithful behavior. This request by the disciples then, give us faith, is tantamount to saying, make us faithful people. Ah, that's the piece of faith that we don't want. We don't want to have to do something in order for faith to come or be given by the Lord. Make us faithful people, the disciples said. That was what they were asking. Help us to do right. That's what they wanted. That was a valid request because by, by his response, Jesus was suggesting that they didn't exercise, if they, that they didn't exercise even the minimal amount of faith. Jesus was suggesting if you want faith, then there are some small things that with God's help, you 
have got to do. The disciples had it right. Faith, y'all, is the gift of God. So we can pray that God will increase our faith. The time spent in prayer is fundamental to faith development. If you want faith and then don't want to pray, Lord, give us more faith. Give me more faith. Increase my faith. Then don't expect much faith to come along. Association with folk of faith builds faith. So our participation in the worship life of the church is important. I'm always mystified by these Bible folk who don't believe that you need to have contact with people of faith. Your faith will wither and die if you don't associate with folk who are going where you're going. It's the same way in business. It's the same way in life. If you hang around with turkeys, don't be surprised when you get served up for a Thanksgiving meal. If you are hanging out with chickens, don't be mad because you can't fly like an eagle. The fact of the matter is you hang around the folk. Birds of a feather, the saying says, flock together. Association is important if you want more faith. Then start hanging out with folk who can get a prayer through. Start hanging out with some folk who associate with, uh, associate yourself with some folk who believe God and who talk faith talk and when problems come you find them trusting God. Association with people of faith will build your faith. The scriptures inform and correct our faith. Without the guidance of the scriptures we, we tend to have faith in stuff smaller than God. We have faith in money or we have faith in a charismatic person. Amen Republicans. Or we have faith in the government. Or we have faith in something that'll ultimately disappoint us. The scriptures keep drawing us to God so we can develop the kind of powerful faith that Jesus is talking about here. When you make sure that you ground your faith by the scriptures, then you won't forget it when the Lord says through Paul, my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. It will not shock you when you understand that the Lord is a very present help in the time of trouble. It will not be a mystery to you that the Lord instructs through the psalmist to teach us to number our days that we may become wise. If you become a person of faith, it will not be a revelation to you when the scriptures instruct wait on the Lord that is expectantly wait on the Lord. Lord, and he will strengthen your heart. Grounding your faith in the scriptures will keep your faith from being blown around by every wind that you come across on Facebook or on TikTok or on some other platform. When you are grounded in the text, folk can tell you anything, but you're going to believe the report of the Lord. When you want faith, be willing to start small. Don't expect God to just drop Mother Teresa, Martin Luther King, Fannie Lou Hamer faith in you. Don't expect the Lord to just drop it on you like that. The Lord says, if you just had a little faith, your world 
would be revolutionized if you grounded it in some dependable stuff. If you make sure that you do what you gotta do. If you make sure that prayer is the center of every concern. If you make sure that you associate with folk who have faith and speak faith language and seek after faith. If you look into the scriptures as a light and a lamp, faith, Jesus says, will come. Start small. If you want faith, even when you're in a hurry, then, then be willing to accept Jesus's way. Verse 6b says, if you had faith as much as a mustard seed, listen to this, you could say to this mulberry tree, pull yourself up by the roots and plant yourself in the sea. Mother Teresa, Mother Teresa said that prayer, which I call the reflex of faith. That, it's, that prayer is all about putting yourself in the hands and at the disposition of God. Isn't that what she said? When you put yourself in God's grip, that is faith. Then asking is nothing. Then needing is already known. Uh, practically speaking, when you put yourself at the disposition of God, it means releasing your demand for doing stuff your own way. And it means imagining that there is a way which is right now beyond your understanding. When you've got faith, you're going to do some things that will baffle the folk around you and you won't even understand them yourself. It means admitting that you've come to the end of your resources and your resourcefulness and openly living as if the only way things are going to get done is if God opens the way. Have you ever been there? This can be dangerous, family, because if you, under if you misunderstand the teaching of Jesus, you could become lazy and entitled. I mean, but if you tap into the power of this teaching, you'll never again uh, become anxious and nervous and, and fall apart when it seems like impossible struggles rise up against you. Can I just talk to some people who are facing some impossible odds right now? Can I preach to myself and, and just tell you because of my own experience that if you're facing some stuff that looks like it cannot happen, this is the moment to tap into this teaching when the disciples asked him, Lord, make our faith greater. The Lord, Lord, in increase our faith. I was struck by the fact that he didn't answer the request in the way that they expected. I hope y'all noticed that. He, he didn't have a wave a wand over him or magically fill him with even a tiny bit that, that, that could do magical things. No, like to uproot a great mulberry tree and plant it in the sea. He didn't give them no power like that with a wave of their hand. In a way, I have to admit when I reread the text again and again, I, I was a little disappointed. I mean, I didn't want Jesus to tell the disciples how great faith could be. That wasn't what I was looking for. I'd read this text a thousand times, but when I reread it uh, through the prism of this, this subject and through the prism of this searching, I wanted the Lord to answer their prayer, to give them what they asked for. He just kept on teaching, kept on showing them by his example, eventually set them, sent them the spirit. And before they knew it, they looked up and they had become what they prayed to be, faith-filled people. 
That's the way it works, isn't it? Every good parent sees it happen. We, we'd all like to wave some sort of a magic wand over our kids and then suddenly see them morph into responsible folk, dependable people, moral people, good citizens, people of faith. We, we would like to just wave a wand and, and have them move instantly past all the dangers that kids face these days. Uh, uh, drugs and, and, and fast cars and bad friends and, and toxic relationships. But, but, but that just ain't how it works. If you've ever raised kids, you're already saying amen. That ain't the way it works. You parents know how it works. Every day you work with your children. You try to teach them what they need to know. You try to help them make friends with good kids. You, you try to get them to do their homework. You try to get them to clean up. You try to take them to church and you, you encourage them to be active in the church and in the life of the spirit. You try to do all of those things morning, noon, and night. You're teaching when they go to bed. You're praying for them. If you're like me, you laid hands on them while they were going to sleep and you prayed for them. You prayed for them as they walked out the door day after day after grade after grade after year after year and then finally the day comes when they do something big. They graduate. They put on a suit or a nice dress and they start looking for a career or a business or a job and then comes the day when they've got children of their own and you can see them trying to get their kids kids to do the same things you were trying to get them to do. Then suddenly you realize, you look back and you think about the fact that somehow you succeeded. The dream that you dreamed, the prayer that you prayed has come true. Your kids are grown and they're okay. Seems like a miracle, but, but, but it wasn't a sudden Shazam kind of a miracle. It was a miracle that happened day by day. So slow that you didn't even notice it was happening, but it was. That's the way faith works. That's what happened to Jesus' disciples. They said, increase our faith. And then it seemed like crickets. Nothing seemed to happen except Jesus preached them a nice little sermon about mustard seed faith moving a great big tree. But Jesus knew what he was doing. He was moving them inch by inch in the direction that they wanted to go. He knew that their journey was not going to be quick, wasn't going to be easy. They were going to get discouraged along the way. He knew they were going to wonder if God had abandoned them. But, but then one day they would look around and realize that they had become the faith giants that they asked him to be. Jesus answered their prayers. He just didn't do it their way, right away. All of us, uh, this ought to tell all of us something. That ought to be a shout cue for everybody who feels like your dream have been deferred feels like your blessing has not come seem like your faith is not enough we pray increase our faith Jesus said love your enemy we pray increase our faith Jesus said love God with all your heart with all your soul with all your strength and all your mind we we and slowly but surely Jesus nudges us toward faith he helps us to become people of faith that's the Lord's way we pray Lord save our our children. Jesus says, read them a Bible story at bedtime. We pray, Lord, save our children. Jesus says, pray with them every day. We pray, Lord, save our children. Jesus says, sit down at the dinner table as a family.
family say grace before you eat. We say, we pray, Lord, save our children. Jesus says, help them to choose the right kind of friends. And slowly but surely, Jesus nudges us in the right direction so our prayers can get answered, so we can help our children grow. We pray, Lord, give me a business. Jesus shows you how to work hard and stay up late. We pray, Lord, give me money. Jesus gives us strength to get up every day and go to work. We pray, Lord, save the world. Jesus says, invite your friends to church. We pray, Lord, save our world. Jesus says, do some mission work in your community. We pray, Lord, save the world. Jesus says, give some money to hurricane victims. We pray, Lord, save our world. Jesus says, go drive for meals on. Y'all getting this? We pray, Lord, save our world. Jesus says, visit a friend at the hospital. We pray, Lord, save our world. Jesus says, get your hips out and vote. We pray, Lord, slowly, slowly but surely, he's nudging us to do the things that'll help to make this a better world. We, we pray and we pray and the Lord is nudging us inch by inch, step by step, faithful all the way. And you look back over your life and realize that all of the stuff I've been through, the Lord has been right there. That's the Lord's way. He doesn't need a magic wand. He doesn't need an incantation. You don't need him to give you faith suddenly because if he did, you would squander it. You would treat it like everything else that's so common. You would take it for granted. Jesus challenges us. Don't worry. Don't despise starting small. And he says, be willing to do things my way. If you had faith like the grain of a mustard seed, you can speak to this mulberry tree and tell it, be plucked up by the roots and cast your own self into the sea. And it would obey you because day by day, you become a person full of faith. And, and, and the next step is logical. Last thing Jesus tells them is, he just tells them, just believe. If you're in a hurry, that's really where you ought to stop. Just believe. Listen, he says, he says you would speak to the tree, tell it to do something ridiculous, something, and then tell it to do something impossible, and it would obey you. <laughs> Wait a minute, wait a minute. This, this is hyperbole. This is exaggerated language. Uh, the, the exaggerated language of this sixth verse is a problem for a lot of folk because who, who ever heard of telling a mulberry tree to uproot itself? That's difficult. And then plant itself in the middle of the sea, salt water. That's impossible. I mean, th 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 this is the fundamental struggle of folk who want faith, especially people who need it day before yesterday. I, I mean, they find find it tough to just blindly accept that God has their causes in his hands. But this is precisely the challenge of Jesus. It's so simple, y'all. It almost seems impossible. Can I talk to some folk who need some impossible things to happen? Can I talk to you who have looked at the situation and calculated it out and gamed it out and it looks like it's impossible? The answer just ain't there. It's so 
simple. Jesus challenges us that if we'll do what he said, he'll do the rest because the power of our faith is not just our believing, it's also the power of the one we believe in. God, I feel a run in this house. Our faith has value for the same reason. Our faith then is like, 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 like a thousand dollar bill uh, printed on a piece of paper that ain't worth but a penny. That's what faith is like. A bill like that only has value because it's backed up by the full faith and credit of the United States government. So, so is also our faith has value only because God blesses faith and God empowers the faithful. That's why Jesus told the disciples, all you gotta do is believe in the one who made the mulberry tree and the one who made the sea and the one standing behind your faith. I know for a fact that the one who made the mulberry tree and who made the mighty sea and who made everything that is, he is the same one who can do with his creation whatever he wants to do. That's why you ought to never get caught like a deer caught in headlights when you're praying for something that looks impossible because the one who is really backing your faith ain't you. Aren't you glad about it? The one who's really backing your faith has the power to do anything he wants to do, any way he wants to do it, anytime he gets ready and for anybody that he chooses. That's why you can have faith like a little mustard seed because you don't need but a little faith. That's just your power. You just need a little faith because the one behind your faith has got all the power. I'm so glad, I'm so glad that the one behind my faith has everything I need. I, I received, I received a, a, a little story by email not long ago. It's, it's the story of a little girl who who was like a lot of us. I mean, she was looking for a miracle. A story, those I think is probably an urban legend. Uh, this means that the whole, uh, that, that while the, the chain says it's true, there's no real evidence of this thing being really true. I checked it out. I, I did a Google search of the name Dr. Carlton Armstrong. And Dr. Carlton Armstrong only turns up different versions of this story. So, so why don't you do like the disciples had to do and accept this story for what it is. A simple parable about faith. A little girl went to her bedroom and she pulled out a jelly jar from its hiding place in her closet and she poured the change out on the floor and she counted it very carefully, three times even and, and the total had to be exactly perfect. No chance here for any mistakes. Carefully placed the coins back in the jar and twisting on the cap she slipped out the back door and made her way six blocks down to an old-fashioned drugstore, you know, a neighborhood drugstore, not like these big modern chains. And, and so she, she waited patiently for the pharmacist to give her some attention, but he was too busy at this moment standing behind the counter. He was talking to somebody, and, and the little girl's name was Tess, and she twisted her little self to make a scuffing noise, nothing. She cleared her throat with the most disgusting sound she could muster, nothing. And finally, she she took a, qu a 
quarter from her jar and she banged it on the glass counter and that did it. And, and what do you want? The pharmacist asked. He was a little annoyed in the tone of his voice. She said, I'm, I'm talking to, uh, the pharmacist said, I'm talking to my brother right here from Chicago. I haven't seen him in a long time. He said without waiting for a reply to his question, the little girl said, well, I want to talk to you about my brother. She said, well, 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 what do you want? What, what about him? She said, he's really sick. I, I want to buy a miracle. I beg your pardon, the druggist said. His name is Andrew, she said, and he's got something bad growing inside his head. And my daddy says, only a miracle can save him now. So how much does a miracle cost? We don't sell miracles here, little girl. I'm sorry, but I can't help you. Softened a little bit. She said, listen, I've got the money to pay for it. If it isn't enough, I'll get the rest. Just let me know how much it costs. The pharmacist's brother, well-dressed brother, stooped down and asked the little girl. She, he said, what, what kind of a miracle does your brother need? Tess said, I, I don't know, eyes welling up with tears. I, I don't know. He's really sick. And mommy says, he needs an operation, but my daddy can't pay for it. So I want to use my money. How much do you have? The man from Chicago asked her. $1.11. Almost inaudible. It's all the money I have. But I can get some more if I have to. Well, what a coincidence. The man smiled. A dollar and 11 cents. That's the exact price of a miracle for little brothers. He took her money in one hand and with the other hand he grasped her little mitten and said, take me to where you live. I want to see your brother and meet your parents. Let's see if I have that miracle you need. That well-dressed man was Dr. Carlton Armstrong, a surgeon specializing in neurosurgery. The operation was complicated, but was completed without charge. And it wasn't long until little Andrew was home again and doing well. Mom and dad were happy talking about the chain of events that had led him to this place. That surgery, her mom whispered, was a real miracle. I wonder how much it would have cost. The little girl smiled. She knew exactly how much a miracle cost. One dollar and 11 cents plus the faith of a little girl. Can I tell you something, family? A miracle is not the suspension of natural law, but it's the operation of a higher law. I know that little story. It may or may not be true, but I can tell you as a pastor of these 43 years, I've seen that story lived out over and over and over again. God has the power to suspend natural law 
because it was God who set natural law in motion. He is the one who caused the morning stars to sing together. God is the one who flung stars into space and spun the world over on its axis. God is the one who hung the moon in the azure deep blue sky. God is the one who did it all. He spat out the mighty oceans. He stopped his foot and the great mountains sprang up out of deep valleys. He clapped his hands and the thunder crashed. He batted eyes and the lightning flashed. God is the one who breathed into you and to me. Oh, how many times have I seen it? Come on. I need somebody on your sofa to say my name ain't Tess, but I've seen him do it for me time after time when it looked like I couldn't get it, when I couldn't do it, God stepped in. The God of miracles doesn't have to suspend natural law to create a miracle. He can use any law. He can use any force to carry out his will. And for the disciple who truly believes that anything is possible, you have no idea what can happen. Anybody in this house need a miracle? What's your story? For the disciple who's willing to believe just that simple faith like that little girl then heaven's exchequer is at your disposal then Holy Ghost power is in the hospital with you then bright tomorrows are unfolding before you then locked up doors are flinging themselves open if you just have a little faith have you ever tried him and he came to your rescue have you ever trusted him and he did not fail you have you ever leaned on him and you didn't have to have anybody else have you ever walked with him and though you were lonesome you knew you weren't by yourself have you ever seen the darkness enveloping you and he turned on the light I dare you to start small I dare you I dare you to do things his way I dare you because he will bring addition out of subtraction he will bring life out out of death he will bring light out of darkness he will bring something out of nothing he will bring a way out of no way I dare you to trust him just believe him I don't know about you but I believe God I'm looking at some impossible stuff right now in my own life and I declare right now I'm believing God that he's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all I can ask or think I believe Believe God right now that in the midst of my predicament he's already moving. Can you trust him? Can you just believe him that while you're figuring it out he's already, ain't that what James Hayes' folks said? He's already worked it out. The baby need a pair of shoes. I'm so glad that he's already working it out. I'm so glad got a gas bill due somebody said. I'm so glad he's working it out. Right now burdens on your shoulder. I feel him working it out. I can hear strongholds cracking. I can hear chains breaking. I can hear God moving. I can feel him moving through the midst of your despair. I dare you trust him. I dare you 
lean on him. I dare you stretch out on him. You better not dare take a step out into nothing. I tell you, he'll catch you right there. Behold, his right hand will be there. The psalmist said, when I tried everything else, I couldn't trust nobody else. I called on the Lord and he answered me. I'm so glad the psalmist wrote, I shall not die, but I shall live and declare the works of the Lord. I'm so glad I'm standing here right now telling you that I've seen him supply every need. I've seen him touch every stain and wash them away. Red blood washed away off a black soul. I'm so glad that the soul turned whiter than snow. I've seen him raise up drunks off of back pews. I've seen him move prostitutes from the back pew to the front pew. I've seen him raise up a standard in the midst of brokenness. I've seen him bring shattered minds back together. I've seen him wrap arms around somebody who knew they were out in the world by themselves. I dare you just trust him. I'm hearing it. I'm hearing it. I'm feeling it right now. I'm seeing it in the spirit. I'm looking above my head. I hear deliverance in this room. I'm hearing souls right now being set free all over the world. I can hear the power of Jesus telling somebody fight, fight on. I'm, I'm hearing him say to somebody I never left you. I've always been there. I hear somebody saying, you thought it wasn't possible, but I am God. I can do what I want. I'm moving right now while you're still on your knees. I dare you to try him. I dare you just believe in him. I'm so glad that faith can conquer anything, anything. Oh, you ought to say it with me, faith can conquer anything. Let's move on up a little higher. Faith will conquer anything. Tell him glory. Tell him thank you. Tell him hallelujah. Lift up his name. I dare you to stop praising right now. Rejoice right now for that which seems impossible. I dare you. Just start declaring at your kitchen table things that are not as though they were. Watch him move. Watch him get glory. I decree right now in the name of Jesus that what you thought was impossible is just a chip shot for the Lord. Yes. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. It is by faith. It is by faith. It is by faith. It's according to your faith. Accept it. Receive it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Find faith. Stop hurrying around. What you're looking for is right in front of your face. God, I feel it right in here. What you need is not in your pocket. 
in your purview. Just look up. All things are possible if you only believe. Only believe. I used to hear that on the radio every Sunday morning back at my chorus house. Only believe. All things are possible if you only if you only if you only be believe Jesus said believe Believe, oh, believe, believe my faith looks up to thee. of Calvary Savior divine now hear me while I pray in your life you've never claimed him as your savior this is your opportunity you don't have to be a, a resident of Charlotte North Carolina though we welcome you you can live anywhere in the country just on New Year's Eve we we gave the right hand our initi our initiation right we welcomed into fellowship with us uh, 34 people a lot of whom didn't even live on this continent. It's all about just believing that God can do what you can't even imagine. If you only, only believe. I'm going to pray with you for a moment. 
When I do, just want you to put that hashtag you see at the bottom of your screen, Field Me CLT, or whatever you are able to put in the chat line. Just do it today. We'll know you need a church family. We'll welcome you here. You can worship, you can give, you can study, you can grow. You can do ministry right where you live as a part of the field. Just pray this prayer after me, especially if you need Christ in your life. Lord Jesus, come into my life. I need you as my Savior. I admit, God, that I am powerless to save myself. In the name of Jesus. Amen. There it is. Just a little faith did it for you today. Aren't you glad about it? You ought to rejoice right where you're living, right where you're standing, right where you're sitting. Your hands ought to go up. You ought to be telling the Lord Jesus, thank you. I thought it was impossible. I thought nobody loved me. But your love has overwhelmed me. Jesus. Everybody in the field is rejoicing because we already know what it means. It means you'll never be the same again. It means your walk day by day will go higher. It means your power will reach outside your own power. We're rejoicing right now. Hallelujah. Welcome home. Welcome to the family of faith. Welcome to the field. All it took. Just believe. Come on, let's leave this place. Now unto him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and ever. And all of God's people said, Amen.
Thank you so much for listening to the Harvest Podcast. We pray that the message has uplifted, encouraged, and challenged you as you continue your walk with God. If you're looking for a church home, the great news is the field is not confined by the four walls of the church, for we all know that the people are the church. If you wish to become a partner in ministry, but more importantly, a member of God's family, simply reach out to us on Facebook at Mayfield Memorial Missionary Baptist Church or on Instagram at The Field CLT. Thank you once again and be blessed.